Welcome to the Constructing Greatness Podcast, where I will be sharing real stories with inspiring tradesmen and many other driven and passionate leaders in construction and various other industries. I'm your host, Nicholas Ofak, and I've been in the construction business since 1996 as a construction manager and have worked for some of the largest builders in the United States. I'm now a business owner entrepreneur, and partner in a firm where we've successfully managed to be listed on the Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies three years in a row. The main purpose of this podcast is to inspire and create awareness about the value of working in the trades and to educate about the great benefits and rewarding opportunities it can create. Are you ready to take this fun journey with me? Let's do it. Did you know that you should never use paints or coatings on brick, block, stone, or mortar? It's because it needs to breathe. Instead, you can stain it to any color that you'd like, and yes, even the mortar too. Staining is 100% maintenance-free and permanent, unlike coatings. So why don't more people know about it? We wondered the same thing. M&N Masonry Staining is a South Jersey contractor that has partnered with the oldest brick staining manufacturer in the United States and is certified to use their proprietary products and over 45 years of staining knowledge. M&N is scheduling residential and commercial building estimates now. For more information, call Nick at 856-217-1750 or follow M&N Masonry Staining on any social media platform. Today's guest is going to be a fun one for me. He was drafted in the eighth round by the St. Louis Cardinals, and he also was an All-American college pitcher. I've known Ryan for, actually Ryan and his family for about 25 years, probably known him since he was about 11 or 12 years old, to show my age. Ryan Kulik, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm glad we can get it scheduled. And I wanted just to go back to when you started. You went to actually the same high school as my wife went to. You graduated from Cherokee High School. And were you highly recruited coming out of high school? No, not really. So back then it was like there was no AAU teams really. I think Arsenal was like the first one that just started up in our area. So it was always Legion ball, you know, as you know, that's what you, I'm sure you played that. So it wasn't a lot of traveling and, and a lot of showcases like it is now. Now it's just, it's crazy. There's something every, every single weekend. So it's very easy to get seen. Uh, so I didn't really, I wasn't able to do any of that. And I was kind of a late bloomer. You know, I was uh, my freshman, sophomore high school. I barely played varsity. I played a little bit. I started a couple of games on the mound my sophomore and then my junior year is where I really I took that jump. And I started getting noticed a little bit. Really wanted to go to Delaware. And the funny thing is, I actually just had a conversation with the head coach of Delaware. And I brought up that whole thing about me wanting to go there. And he told me to go to junior college because I wasn't ready. And I said that was probably the best thing that happened to me because that motivated me. And that made me better. And I, I always carried that chip on my shoulder because I, I thought I was a Division One pitcher. And I never got the opportunity, you know, to, to play at that level. So I went to Rowan and they were, the, they were the main school that was that was all over me. My brother went there. My sister went there. So we had a lot of ties there. And it's local and it was a great program and still is a great, great program. So I was very thankful for the, you know, the four years that uh, I shared there and played there. 
Yeah, man. And, and it's a hell of a program. And they're, they're actually trending to be D1 the way they're growing. Their athletic program and everything, it's, it's huge. Yeah, they've been talking about that for a while, becoming D1. I just don't know if, when it'll happen. Mm-hmm. I think in the future, eventually will become a Division One school. Just don't know when. So to talk about St. Louis Cardinals, you were drafted in the eighth round. It was at 2008, I believe. Yeah, 2008, yep. And uh, I was actually there for draft day. I remember. That was, that was a fun day. We actually visited you down in uh, Texas League, too, when you were down there. I actually, have, I actually have the ball one to show you that you signed for my son. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that was fun times. Just to watch you evolve, you know, in the sport. And we were, you know, cheering and rooting you on. So you were at the St. Louis Cardinals Double A, right? And, and then you had, you had surgery, didn't you? Did you hurt your arm at St. Louis? Uh, it's kind of a weird situation. So in 2000. 11 in spring training they came up to me and they they told me that they wanted me to change my arm slot to get lefties out and so i was obviously going to do it they told me that you know i'd have a really good opportunity to make it to the big leagues that year to to be a lefty specialist so i I started doing it and my first outing i remember doing it like i literally a week later after working on it i went out there and i was 92 to 93 and i turned a lot of heads you know i struck out like five guys in two innings and then ever since that outing, it, it went downhill. My arm started to bother me, lost command, and I never said anything. And that was just always me. I never, I always tried fighting through things because I know the road, you know, going on the, D, the DL is, it's a long road to get back to, you know, where I was. So I, I just didn't want to go through all that. Looking back, I probably should have, but I kept trying to throw through it, throw through it. And I just never was myself. and. Eventually, they released me, so I kept trying to play, tried playing independent ball, and same same thing. Was not feeling right, wasn't throwing strikes, and uh, eventually, I said to my parents, I said, I think, uh, you know, I got to get my arm checked out, and uh, I ended up having to get Tommy John, so, which is a well-known, you know, a well-known surgery in baseball for pitchers, and uh, so I ended up getting it, and... You know, Dr. Morgan was the the guy who did my surgery, and he said, you know, if you want to play again, you have to get the surgery. I said, 100%, you know, I want to play again. I want to continue to play. I think I was 25 at the time, so I had a lot of of baseball left in me. And uh, so I I was not with the Cardinals at the time, so it was a weird situation, you know, how it happened. I got released, and then I had had surgery, so. Yeah, I I do recall the story pretty pretty in detail. I mean, talking to your, to your brother, Sean, and just some of the specifics on how they were changing your, you know, your motion and your delivery and, and something, you know, probably occurred from that, I, I would think. And it, and it bothered me a little bit because I felt like I should have been told that, you know, in the off season to work on it and not in spring training, uh, you know, when the, the season's about to start in a month. So I, I kind of, it kind of bothered me a little bit, but at the time I was like, Hey, that's what, if that's what's going to get me to the big leagues, then, then I'm going to do it. Uh, but it obviously didn't work out that way and everything happens for a reason. It wasn't meant to be, but, uh, yeah, during that time I was rehabbing, I was a free agent the whole time. So I knew that I had to prove myself again to another team. And that's when I got on with the river sharks. They gave me an opportunity and then the Rockies noticed me. I had a trial with them and, uh, and they, they signed me. So that was kind of where my career career ended. So. And you were you went as far as AAA with the Rockies? Yes. 
Yeah, I had a stint there, mostly double A. The crazy thing with that story is I was actually with them twice in, in a matter of a couple months. I went to spring training with them in 2014. I was 28 at the time, doing really well. Gave a one run in like 10 innings in spring training. I was against, you know, triple A guys, double A, triple A guys. And uh, I'll never forget last day spring training. They bring me in the office and they tell me they're going to release me. They basically told me that I was too old at the time to be playing in AAA. And uh kind of kind of bothered me. So you know, I packed my bags. I went home. You know, I talked to my wife. And I said, I, you know, I want to keep playing. So I'll just, you know, I'll live at home and play for the River Sharks again. And um, I made a couple starts with the River Sharks, about three, four starts. And I'll never forget, I was coaching at Rowan, too. So we are in the regionals at that time. And uh, I get a phone call. I actually pitched the night before in Somerset and I drove all the way to uh, Wilkes-Barre because that's where the uh, original was at the time. And I get a phone call the next day from the Rockies saying that they wanted to re-sign me. So I had a, we had a game that day. We lost, packed my bags. I'm on the road the next day out to uh, Modesto, California, where, was, where their, their eight ball team was at the time. And uh, made a couple, I was there for probably two months, I would say with the Rockies, with the double-A, triple-A. And then eventually they released me when they had to bring back uh, a 40-man guy. So I was kind of the odd man out. So it's it's a business. People don't realize how much of a business it really it really is. And uh, being in it for a long time, you you realize it. And you don't realize that, you know, when you're younger, you don't really notice it. But it's it's a big business. And when people have a lot of money in a guy, they're going to give that guy every every opportunity. And if I'm you know, a free agent, they're not really going to give me many opportunities. So, and I, I, I understood that. So that's just, it's just the nature of it. Yeah. I just remember you working so hard to get to your ultimate goal, which, which was to get to the major leagues and, and you, you've got so close. When did the realization come to you? Was it right after they released you or did it take some time to, to where you were settled in and you, and you knew that, you know, you, you were more or less done with that journey? So I would say, actually, the funny thing is, when they released me, this is this adds to the story. This is all in one year. So this, when they released me, I went back to the River Sharks again for the, I guess, third time it would be, yeah, third time, or second, second or third time. Anyway, go out for batting practice. I come in. I have a missed call from the Blue Jays for a Toronto number, end up being the Blue Jays. They call me saying they want to sign me. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. This is, there's so much happening. So I literally, I just bought a car. I had to get my new car. And then I flew out to Florida where the high A team was. Uh, I think Dunedin it was called. Take my physical. I'm getting ready to go out for a batting practice and throw. They called me in the office. They tell me they're releasing me that day. They said I failed my physical. They didn't like, there's too many red flags on my physical. So I had, <laughs> I had to leave that day, fly all the way back to New Jersey again. Not, not, not that people know that one. Uh, but I was barely in Florida for 24 hours. And uh, that right there was like the time I was kind of like, I think I'm, I think I'm done. I finished out the year with the River Sharks. And then the next year is when they folded. The, the River Sharks folded in 20, I think that was 2015. And I was actually going to be a player coach. I was going to be a pitching coach and still play. That obviously didn't work out. And then, uh, so I was coaching at Rowan during that year. And I got a phone call again from an independent team saying, hey, they need a left-handed pitcher for the last two months of the season. And 
I said, you know what? I'm not really doing much this summer. It's two months. I said, I'm going to do it. So I finished out my career two months in the, uh, in the Can-Am League with the Sussex County Miners. And my last outing, in Can- we were in Canada, my last outing, through my first ever complete game, nine-inning complete game. I threw a seven-inning complete game, but in pro ball, my first nine-inning complete game, we turned a triple play. That's never happened when I pitched. And I had the most strikeouts in a game in my pro career. Those three things. And I said, you know what? That's how I'm going out in my professional career. I'm done. And that was it right there. So that was kind of the sign. Some people would say, you know, we should probably keep playing. But for me, it was like, you know what? What else do I got to prove? I did, I did everything I could. I played at the highest level besides the big leagues. And I have no regrets. Zero regrets at all. So Back to how hard you worked, man. I mean, I, I, I was super confident you were going to get there and we and we were so excited to watch that journey and you know injuries you can't control and and uh you know that obviously played a big part in it stopping a little short for you man no i said that's part of the game yes you know it happens to give people perspective i mean ryan is a lefty pitcher and he pitched at rowan university and if i recall ryan you had the most strikeouts in the country that year before you got drafted right that's d1 d2 d3 yeah, yeah, I led, I led the entire country in, in strikeouts that year. Yep, no. I, I remember. I remember that. I was just like, "Wow, that's a crazy accomplishment, man." Thank you. And I'm pretty sure that was. I think I was up against like Tim Lincecum that year, and uh, I think Bob Garner came out that year. There's a couple other like well-known big leaguers uh, that I had more strikeouts than. So, so it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it, was, it certainly is. And one story I, I got to tell. When Ryan was 16 years old, we were playing in the championship series. Uh, I played with his br- older brothers, and we needed uh, we needed some pitching help. We were a little short on pitching, and uh, your older brother, Sean, I believe said that you were going to turn 18 that year. You really were going to turn 17 that year. And we bring Ryan in to play, you know, to pitch in a game two of, of a championship series, which we won easily, seven to two. But just to give people perspective, I mean, here's a 16-year-old kid that was pitching against, you know, college players, players that that played baseball their entire lives that were, you know, early 20s, mid-20s, and uh, shut them down. It was a cool story. <laughs> I've told that a few times. <laughs> that helped me a lot, though. It really helped me grow, helped me develop, you know, playing against older guys. It was – I actually give that probably most of the credit to my success is being, you know, being able to play with those guys at a young age. You know, it's, it helped me tremendously, it helped me grow, it helped me, you know, be, just be a better, better player all around. It really did. Yeah. No, it's, it certainly, certainly will help. Uh, your brothers too, man. They were always, always guiding you, pushing you, helping you. Always. And uh, I appreciate them a lot. Yeah, I know you do, man. I know the love, love for your family is strong. And just to circle back to Rowan, you graduated with a exercise science degree and when you took that degree, were you looking to do something different or were you just totally focused on getting to the next level with baseball? Uh, so every young kid, you know, 18, 19 years old, not many kids really know what they truly want to do. And I was unsure. Just said, you know, I'm going to college to be a baseball player, but my fallback is going to be I'll be a phys ed teacher and I'll coach. I'll coach high school. That was kind of my fallback. Always in the back of my mind was that I was going to play professional baseball. That was just my goal ever since I was, you know, a little kid. And um, 
I graduated with that degree when my career was over. I had to do all my student teaching and all that. I did that. I had my teacher, sir, and I had to make a decision. And I, I'm like, said to my wife, I don't want to teach. I don't want to, I don't want to be a phys ed teacher and I don't want to coach in high school. I said, I want to be involved, you know, at the college level. Uh, that's where I think that I would be able to flourish more and give back more just because the high school level, you only have a certain amount of kids that I hate to say, but I truly want to be there that truly want to win and they're going to play at the next level in college. Everyone wants to be there. Everyone wants to win. And that's the kind of environment that I want to be in on, on a daily basis. And that's why I chose you know, to be at the college level. I, I feel like I can give a lot more. And I thoroughly enjoy it. And not saying I'm not knocking on teachers, but I just, I couldn't see myself doing the same thing every day. Being, being a baseball coach, a college baseball coach, you know, you, you deal with so many different things on, on a daily basis. And it's just, it's, it's a joy. I, I truly enjoy every, every day coming here. Um, and it's just been, it's been great. One thing that you have, which is evident is, is patience to teach and, and, and you need that to do what you're doing. Um, and, and you're very good at it. Hey guys, it's Nick. I have a short message from our sponsor, MPC Builders. With well over 40 years of combined construction-related experience in both the residential and commercial markets, MPC Builders services the New Jersey and Philadelphia metro areas. Check out our website at mpcbuilders.net or you can call me directly at 856-217-1750 and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about your construction project. You're the head baseball coach at Rutgers University at Camden. How has that that transition been for you, man? I'm not gonna lie; it's been it's been pretty tough. Uh, it's been yeah, it's been a little difficult taking over a program, basically starting from scratch. You know, I, I bring in my own guys. You know, I took over a team that didn't really have a lot of success before I got here. So I had to basically, I'm still doing it. Is trying to change the culture here, and it's been difficult because. You know, I feel like we've been more affected by COVID than any other program, in my opinion, just because when you're trying to change a, a culture of a program, you need to be able to get together and do things. And with COVID, we weren't able to go to the locker room. We weren't able to do things together inside or even really outside. We can't really, couldn't really gather much. And the only time that we were together was really on a practice field. Can't work out together. So it's been tough to try and change that culture and develop that team chemistry and that bond, which is to me, I think is the most important thing in sports and to be able to win is you need that. You need those things. And so it's slowly getting better. Obviously we're getting back to, to normal somewhat. So we're able to, to do more things together, but it's been difficult. You know, we didn't have a field. They knocked down, you know, they knocked down Campbell's field and we are this is my first year. So I've been here since 2019. This going into my third year of, of coaching here. Well, my first year, I cut short. Last year, we only played 25 games. This is my first full year with a home field. We didn't have a home field the last couple of years. So we were on the road. We had 17 bus trips last year. And, you know, constantly riding on the bus, it wears on you. It wears you on you. It does. And people don't realize that. But when you're constantly on the road all the time, it's just it's tough to get motivated. You know, you're waking up earlier than everyone else. Uh, and they're just they're long days. Now we finally have our field. It's a beautiful turf field. You need to come out and, and check it out, by the way, and come to a game. Absolutely will. Um, but it's it's really nice, and I think we're finally, you know, we're heading in the right direction now. I truly believe that. 
where did they put the field at? Is it right on campus or? It's right where the uh, River Shark Stadium was. Right was. Okay. Campus field was. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of turned it a little bit. So now the bridge is in like right field, right, right center kind of. Since you're intimate with, with that area, like what was the specifics on River Sharks Field? Why did they get rid of it? Do you know the details on that? I just know the county, they owed a lot of money. That's all I know. A lot of money on it was just sitting there. And the original plan was Norcross wanted to build a bunch of high-rise buildings there and, uh, and no baseball. And that got shut down, thankfully. Now they have a job here. Thankfully, it didn't happen. Um, and now there's a beautiful baseball complex and, you know, a soccer field, uh, lacrosse field and track and field and all that right next door as well. So it's, it's beautiful. It's right on the waterfront right there. It's that whole area has changed, you know, a lot in the last five years. It really has. So it's, I got to get beautiful. back down there. I got to get back down and check it out. I, I will certainly come, uh, come see you, man, this year. Now you spoke of COVID and just the impacts that that it has on you and your team and and the university and, and I'm sure many people can relate to some level. You started a backyard renovation, which looks like a mini field of dreams. Did that happen because of COVID and the time off and the, and and the time, or was that was that something that you like were were planning? Just curious. No. <laughs> the funny <laughs> the funny thing is, uh, so I. Our season got cut. You know, we were getting ready to leave for Florida and they dropped the hammer on us. Hey, you're not leaving. Season's over. Don't go in the office. Go home. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my time? Like, I'm, you know, me, I got to, I got to be doing something. I can't, like, I can't sit in my house. I can't just sit there and not do anything. So I I looked at my wife. I'm like, I think I'm going to build a batting cage now. She's like, what? (laughs) She's like, you didn't want to do that for another five years. And I'm like, listen we're shut down. We can't do anything. Why not do it now? Like this, I'm never going to have this time ever again. And this is the perfect time to do it. And she was like, I think you're nuts. I think you're crazy, but okay. <laughs> so we started knocking down trees, started just clearing out the entire area. And, you know, I never thought it would become what it is now. Uh, Cause that, that summer was, it was crazy. You know, I got big leaguers in my backyard. I got people all over. Like it was, it was, I got the news there. It was just, it was wild. It was so cool. Yeah, you had Christian Hackenberg there too. What, what, what brought him there? So he, he wanted to get back into baseball. You know, he was done with football. I think he finished his career in the AFL, whatever that, what that league was. But uh, so he, uh, he played baseball in in high school and was really good. His all his brothers play. I think one of his brothers is at Clemson now, I believe. So there's a lot of background in that family in baseball. And uh, he reached out to me and I was like, hey, let's go, man. I'm, I'll help you out do everything I can. And he was getting there and he got up to like 94, 95. And uh, he got married. And then he basically was like, you know what? Like, this is it's taking a lot away from my wife. So I don't think I'm going to be able to go through with it. I don't think he realized how much work it takes to, you know, once you get there, like to the minor leagues, there's a lot of steps you got to go through. You've got to start from a ball and work your way up. And I don't know if he really realized that the commitment there and how long it might take to actually reach to the big leagues. Uh, so I think that kind of played a, a role in it, but I, he had the ability, he obviously had the arm strength and the size, but uh, he's now, I think he's coaching now at Winslow. I think he's a quarterback coach 
quarterbacks coach at Winslow, and they I think they won the the first ever state title this year. So I'm sure a lot of credit goes to him for that. So pretty cool. Good stuff. And you talked about people not knowing the amount of work that it takes, you know, to get into minor leagues. Do you think people really understand the compensation that they provide to and just how they kind of dangle that carrot, right, to get to the majors when you really start getting compensated? Can you talk a little bit about that? Did you know going in? Was it a shock to you? I mean, I kind of had an idea that I wasn't going to make a whole lot of money. To me, it wasn't about making money like at, at that time. I had a decent signing bonus. I was a senior sign. So I had a decent signing bonus that I was able to live off of for, for a couple of years. But I didn't realize the the daily grind. Like it's you you're really not making at the end of the day, per day, you're not making a lot of money. You know, you gotta pay for, you know, rent, utility, like you gotta pay for a lot of things that people don't yeah, travel. People don't realize that. But when you get to AAA and you start getting there and you can start making a little more money especially your free agent, they can sign you and make a little more money. But the A ball, like when you're a rookie and you're in the A ball and low A, all that, even double A, it's, you're not making a lot of money unless you're, you know, a first, second, third rounder where you got a couple hundred thousand or even a million. Not many people realize that. I think they started through now because a lot of people are coming out and, and talking about it because it is, it is crazy that the amount of money that is in major league baseball compared to the minor leagues is is ridiculous. It's crazy. And I know I I think David Price, a couple guys gave back during I think during the uh the pandemic when they weren't allowed to play and the minor leaguers weren't making anything. I know David Price was given was paying them I think every minor leaguer like per month or something like that. He was giving them money, which is really cool to see you guys do that. Yeah. I can't imagine the daily grind, man. I know you get signing bonuses and they're decent, you know, depending on obviously what round and I know there were some stories about some guys that were in first round, they get the signing bonus and they didn't realize the grant, the grind and they wanted to quit. And they were, they were, they were first rounders and they get these big million dollar signing bonus, whatever it is. And the grind was just too much, right? Especially, you know, some of these kids are 18, 19, 20 years old. They're too young and, and it's just work, man. It is. And I, kid that I've, you know, I, I worked with for the last seven, eight years, Anthony Salamita, who was drafted in this, he was the first pick in the second round. And I, I told him that I said, listen, you're going to, you know, you're a young guy. You're, you're, your life's about to change. It's a, it's a grind, man. Like it's a daily grind. You're going to be on long bus trips. You're going to eat crappy food. Uh, I'm just like, I'm preparing you. And so, you know, going into it, it's not what you think it's going to be until you get to the higher levels. You get a double A, triple A, it starts changing a little bit. But that's those lower levels, it's not that fun, man. You want you want to get out as fast as you can. You want to do well and get out. And I was fortunate enough to not spend a lot of time in A ball. I was a senior sign, so I didn't spend too much time in A ball. So I was lucky. I was fortunate enough. So I didn't have to go through a lot of that. But even, you know, the bus trips, the early flights, like, you know, I, I saw a thing about I think it was Draymond Green complaining about flying on the day of playing or something like that. I'm like, man. We, we did that every day. Like mm-hmm. we, we get off an 18 hour bus ride and we got to play that night and getting paid nothing. You got, you're getting paid, you know, millions. It's crazy. It really is. Yeah. I can only imagine, man. I only know the college level, but I just, I just knew the money that they were paying and they dangle that major league carrot. And yeah, man, some of these guys, what, 10 plus years to even get an opportunity. Um, it's just grind. I can only imagine. 
Yep. It's not, it's not for everybody. I can tell you that much. It's, it's not, it's, you gotta be a different animal. You gotta, you gotta have a different mindset. You gotta be thick skin, mentally tough. You really do. You had mentioned Anthony Salamento, which I actually was going to bring him up. He's an alumni of yours, or or you maybe still be coaching him. I'm not sure. He had a pretty nice testimonial on your on your page. He's the number one 2021 pitcher in the state of New Jersey, and he was the number eight 2021 pitcher in the country. And you had the opportunity to help him grow. Are you can are you still? Yes, yeah, so I was uh, with him probably two weeks ago before he left. So he left for he left for Florida. He's working out there now and throwing bullpens and all that with with their pitching coaches. So yeah, worked with him a bunch of times before he left, and I'm hearing good things. They love him. They love him there. I I think he'll be in the big leagues within two to three years, in my opinion. He's just he's that good. He's that good, in my opinion. He he really is. He's just he's a pleasure to work with. He's a UNC commit too, right? Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. a that's a hell of a program right there. Yeah, I think he. I, I'm pretty sure he's one of the right now. I don't know if he's number one prospect, but he's maybe number one pitching prospect. I believe he's one of them though up there right now with the Pirates. Fantastic. We'll see him on TV one day. Yeah, I, I saw I saw videos that you had. I mean, he just has pop. I mean, that pop. It doesn't even. It just looks so fluent, and then it just comes out. You know, at a different level. It's fun to watch. So that leads me to. Your the complete pitcher brand, which you've been building, and it's been fun to watch. It's an off season program that you've started. I guess what three plus years ago, twenty seventeen. That's when I started doing it. Yep. So I've always done like before that. I always did stuff to help kids in, in the off season. I run group workouts. You know, probably eight to ten kids, something like that. Nothing crazy. And I'm like, you know what? Why? You know, why don't I just create a, an LLC, make it a name? And just and, and grow it. And it started with 10 kids. Now I have 80 kids this year. I had 60 some last year. Now I have, I have 80 kids. And uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. You know, kids enjoy it. It's hard work. Though. I'm not going to lie. They, they, they leave there, you know, drenched in sweat. Uh, but they're, they put in the work. I got great instructors that help me. I'm very fortunate enough to have great people around me. Uh, it's it's been awesome. It really is. It's a joy to watch those kids. I've had some kids for like five years and just watching them grow. And then they, you know, like going to college. It's, it's pretty cool. It really is. Talk about some of the, some of the things that you provide with the program. I, I know there was a long list of, of things that you offer. So when I had Tommy John back in 2011, I learned a lot about the body, you know, about our, you know, proper arm care, recovery, biomechanics, you know, again, I always say everything happens for a reason. Maybe me having Tommy John was the reason why I, you know, I developed this program. So I learned a lot from when I did rehab with, with Phil Donnelly in Westchester. He helped me out tremendously. So I, I slowly just started taking things from him and stuff that I learned throughout the years and developed, you know, my own kind of program. I worked with Tom House. I'm sure I don't know if you know Tom House, but he's a well-known, well-known name in, in football for quarterbacks and, and pitchers. So I was fortunate enough to work a couple of his clinics uh, alongside of him. Great guy, by the way. Probably the smartest man I've ever met in my life. I learned a tremendous amount from him. So between all those guys that I've learned from, I, again, developed my own program. It's about, you know, a 30-minute warm-up routine of bands, arm care, mobility work. And then after that, I usually go into, you know, some medicine ball drills. It, it changes every day. So they come in three days a week. Um, and it's a different workout 
every day. And I have, a, I have a TV there that I put up on there. So the workout is there. So they know what they're doing. And, uh, and then they finish the let they throw for about half hour. And then the last half hour, they do a, a strength and conditioning workout, 30 minute workout. So they're there for two hours, three days a week. And, um, a lot of kids are seeing some big time results and you know, I'm not a big, uh, just solely focusing on, on velocity. Like a lot of people do. I feel like you got, you have to do a lot of other things right before you, you focus on just velocity. You know, you got to move the right way. You got to learn how to use your body. Every kid's different. You know, you got tall, skinny, lanky kids, you know, they're not gonna be able to do the same thing as a, a stronger, you know, thicker athletic kid. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it and it's a lot of work, but you know, I enjoy it. I never really see it as work. You know, I, I am constantly busy. My wife, you know, my wife always, you know, says jokes around like, you know, you're never home. I'm like, I know it's, it's tough at times, but it's worth it. You know, I'm, uh, I love being with kids. I love changing our lives and it's, it's a joy. You can, you can see and feel the passion that, that you have for it. And, you know, when I, when I ran into you and Christian, who you know is also on the show down in uh, Miami for the Eagles game, that was at the beginning, I think, of, of when you were starting this brand. So we were talking a lot about branding. And, you know, wh- what have you learned? Because you're, you're stepping into the entrepreneurial world a little bit and, and building a business. What do you think you've, you've learned the most the last three years trying to build this, this brand that is really you, right? I mean, you're, it's, it's, it's you and, and uh, just what you offer to your clientele. You got to be organized, number one. Uh, if you're, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty, I'm pretty organized. I stress that a lot. I make sure I cross, you know, I cross my T's and dot my I's all the time. And I'm always thinking ahead at all times. You know, I try and make sure I have a plan all the time in place. There's just, there's a lot that goes into it. And I never thought I'd be running a business. I didn't go to school for that. So it's kind of, it's kind of like I'm learning on the fly a lot. You know, keeping, you know, keeping track of money and all that. Like that's, that's, you know, a hard thing to do. And I'm doing that by myself, you know, keeping track of who's paying and, and all that and making sure my instructors are there at certain days, certain hours, because right now I'm in the middle of my season and there's days where I can't get there. So I got to make sure that I have a certain amount of guys that are there working to cover those hours. So it, it's, it's a lot of time and effort, but again, it's, it's worth it. We're making kids better. We're changing their lives. And that's that's what it's about. And that's why I do it. And I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for, you know, these kids. And that's really it. It's I've learned a lot for myself, really. You have to have patience, a lot of patience. It can be tough at times just because you get overwhelmed. And there's times where I am overwhelmed where I got the, my college season going on. I got my family and I got my business all hit me in the face at the same time. And I'm like, I got to take a step back. I got to relax. You know, I'm doing too much too fast. So I got to, and I remind myself that it's, it, it's a challenge, but I enjoy it. It's nothing that I can't handle. So, yeah. I mean, you're another high achiever, man. And, and it, life's always going to be a juggling act. You know, it's just, just how much do you want to juggle? You know, is really what it comes down to. And, and uh, I'm sure you're going to grow this thing. It's going to continue growing because of the value that you offer. Mm-hmm. Thank For you. sure. Yeah, man. And outside of work, I know you're a passionate father and, and family guy. What do you like to do that, you know, outside of work that, you know, hobbies, things to, you know, that, that you, that just are fun for you? I mean, I love to golf, but I don't, I don't have the time to golf. Put it that way. If I, if I golf five times in a year, that's a lot. I wish I could. I wish I could be that guy that just goes out and, and golfs. I just, I don't have that time. 
I need to work to make money. And if I'm not working, I'm not making money. So that would be one of my main hobbies. But I would say, honestly, Philly sports teams, I love the Eagles, as you know. That's a big passion of mine, even though they, you know, they struggle a little bit this year at times. But we're on the up and up. We'll be all right. And I, I like working out. That's probably my my biggest passion is I enjoy I enjoy working out, doing doing stuff. I work out with our guys here at Rutgers. You know, I try and push them. They think I'm nuts, but they love it. And uh, you know, I'll be with my family and friends. But other than that, I'm not a big hunter. I don't fish. I don't hunt. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. So I don't know if you can say I'm boring, but I don't have a whole, I don't have a whole lot of hobbies. It's just uh baseball coach family, you know, and, and enjoy my family. That's, that's really it. And having a good time. It sounds all good to me, man. I like that list. So I'll just close with this. You know, if, if you were to give advice to someone that, you know, is in high school, doesn't know what they want to do, you know, whatever, career path, just, you know, how would you guide them to follow their heart and follow their passion? Because that's something that you did as well as anybody. What would be the best advice you'd give them to really do? Don't listen to other people to follow what's in your heart and passion. I would just say never, don't settle for anything. Don't be complacent. You know, I always wanted to do it something that where I didn't feel like I was working. That's why I didn't want to teach. You know, I didn't want to be, no offense to anyone behind a desk, but I just didn't want to be stuck behind a desk all the time. And, you know, I wanted to follow my heart, like you know, and, and coach baseball and, and change lives and just do something that you thoroughly enjoy. Don't just do something just so it pays the bills. Do something that you love, you know, that you can, you know, make a good living, take care of your family. And uh, that's really it. There's no really set recipe it's just do something that you want to enjoy doing the rest of your life you know because you don't want to be miserable you don't want to be and that's what that's why I didn't teach because I feel like I wouldn't have been as happy as I am now doing what I am now and even if I make a little less money that's fine I don't I don't care as long I'm I'm happier as you know if I would have been a teacher I just would have settled and to me I, I didn't want to settle I want to be able to get better and grow and grow and grow and who knows where you know I'll be five ten years from now I don't know that's uh, we'll see what happens, but that's probably the best advice I can give is just follow your heart, do what you love and, and enjoy. That's really it. Now I appreciate the share, man. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, do you want to share your social media contact information? Yeah. So I have two. My personal one is at Ryan Kulik 28 or at R Kulik 28. I'm sorry. That's on Instagram. And uh, my business one is at the complete picture. That's on Instagram and Facebook as well, and then Twitter, Twitter as well. So I have, all, I have all three. Feel free to contact me with any questions. Want to come out to a game? Let me know. Love to have you guys out there. Man, I appreciate you uh, taking the time today. I know we were trying to schedule this, but you are a busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> busy is good, though. Yeah, it is. Busy it is. is. Good. good seeing you, man. Have a great rest of the week. Talk to you soon. Uh, you too. See you, buddy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at nicholasofac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.